Well, I, I want to dive uh, pretty quickly into the word here. Uh, God has put on my heart uh, just just uh, during the month of December and the month of January. I don't, I don't know if he'll extend it beyond that, but uh, I have a message that I have been sharing in churches called Fighting Words. Uh, I want to talk to you about winning the war uh, of speech, about how to use your words like a warrior. It'll make sense in just a moment. Uh, you know, we speak about 16,000 words a day, according to the experts. My beautiful wife, Jeannie, who I wish could have been with me, uh, she is an overachiever in this arena. Uh, but uh, most of us speak about 16,000 words a day, and, and they say if you added that up, that that is the equivalent of writing 66 books, about 800 pages each, every single year. Uh, you are literally writing the story of your life by the way that you talk. I am convinced that our father, that he cares about the way we speak more than uh, we could even begin to imagine. He is most glorified and most proud of us when we talk in a positive way, in a godly way, even when we don't understand. Some of you uh, right now, uh, you're in a reality, uh, I'll say it like this, in a reality that doesn't match up to your theology. Like you you know that God is good, but you're not walking through a good time. And, and can I just tell you, the way you talk during this season will determine what you get out of this season. It'll determine not only how you go through it, it'll determine whether or not you're blessed at the end of it. I, I believe that God cares about the way we talk. It is a new year, Amen. And so I believe that this new year is going to require a new level of speech. I can tell you that when I started talking in faith, God like took the, the limits off and began to bless my life in ministry in ways that is hard to describe. Some of you, you just went through a holiday season uh, where somebody said a painful word to you. In fact, some of you didn't look forward to the holidays because, you know, that one uncle who always says that thing, he was coming, right? And some of us, we have literally messed up our family legacies by the way we talk. But you can make a difference, amen? You can change it. Your, your family doesn't have to be like the family that's around you. Now, doctors and audiologists tell us that when a word is spoken, that vibration enters into what's called the limbic system inside of your ears and and there's about 24,000 nerves that react inside of that system, and it interacts with your pituitary gland, and literally it sends hormones throughout your entire body when you are hearing sound. Uh, they say that when somebody speaks a negative word, that it can take up to 72 hours for the chemical reaction of those words to subside within your system. Now, you don't have to be a doctor to understand that. I promise you, I'm not one. We know that our whole body feels the words, right, when somebody speaks negatively over us. us. In fact, probably everybody here has been attacked at some point by a verbal assassin that came at you with words that wounded you in a deep place inside of your soul. In fact, I believe this, that... Jesus can heal the wounds, amen? Uh, in fact, here, here's what I believe. I believe that every negative word that's ever spoken over you, that Jesus took that on the cross. 
How many of you believe that the entire act of the cross was redemptive by nature, right? He took stripes on his back for our healing, but the Bible says in three different occasions that they hurled insults at Christ. Every insult that you've ever received, Christ took that on the cross. It's a part of your redemptive package in Christ. You don't have to live up to or or, or worse yet, live down to what other people have said about you. Amen? Uh, you, You can be saved from the negativity of those words. I was speaking in St. Louis uh, last year, uh, I don't know, beginning of last year, and uh, it was a big church, and and I I had gotten done at the the second service, and normally I'll run back to my my book table to meet people, and and I was a little late going out, and and so the crowd got ahead of me, and so kind of like this, I had to duck down the hallway, and when I was walking down the hallway, I could feel this guy behind me. And it's funny, like church security, those of you that are on church security, and by the way, I am willing to sacrifice the security for my own life if necessary this morning. Uh, <laughs> but, but it's funny, church security, uh, uh, it doesn't matter until it matters, right? And anyway, this dude was behind me, he was kind of shoving me and that kind of stuff. And he kept saying, I want one of your books. And I, I had said, you know, if you, you can't afford one, I'd love to give you a book. And I was like, this dude really wants a book. You don't have to kill me to get a book. I, I'll give you one. And, and, and uh, got to my table and he, and, he, and he grabbed me and he shoved me against the wall. I literally put my hands in my pockets uh, just so that I would not react because I am a ninja and I could have killed him. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, 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 but... <laughs> But I, I didn't want I didn't want to react in some kind of physical way. And, and, and uh, all I can say is the words that he spoke. It, it, it took me months to get over it. Uh, the, the security finally saw what was happening and drug the guy out and, and, and what have you. But it wasn't the physical side. I would have rather been punched in the face. Uh, how many of you know the enemy knows your insecurities, right? And he found a way, you know, to slice through and, and to get through past my layers of defense. We all have been there before. Uh, Satan is what I would call an opposite effect imitator. In other words, God uses words to create and bring life. What does the devil use words for? He uses words to destroy and to tear you down. And, and one or the other is going to happen in your life. There is no neutrality when it comes to the words that we are saying or receiving. We see this in creation that when God spoke, creation happened. Why, how did God create? He spoke. Amen. I, I, I love this verse. It's Isaiah 55 verse 11. It says, my word, everybody say my word, I sin will always accomplish what I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere that I send it. This is God's promise that when he speaks, it accomplishes its mission. His word over your life right now is like a drone on a mission, and it will not return to home base until it has accomplished everything that God has said it will accomplish. Amen? So that thing that God spoke over you when you were a kid, it's still alive and well in Jesus' name. Amen? That thing God spoke to you at youth camp or at that last retreat or whatever, that promise of God that you are waiting on, his word will not return void. He will accomplish what he has sent it out to to do. Now, the devil is the opposite. He uses these words to tear down and to deceive. We know that the real battles of this world are being waged, won or lost, in the realm of words. Now, 
you know this practically speaking. In the big picture, wars have been fought. One are lost over the speaking of words. But in the spiritual realm, it's even more true. We, we, when you, did you know that you, when you experience Jesus at salvation, you experience the word? John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word. Everybody say the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and nothing, with, nothing was made without, uh, uh, that, that, uh, and, and without him. Nothing was made that has been made. In him the word was life, and life was the light to all mankind. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Jesus is the word. You can't even get saved without words. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. You confess with your what? Mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you will be saved. There is power in your words. Now, you know this verse, Proverbs 18, 21. I'll read it from the Amplified. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it and indulge it, it will eat its fruit and bear the consequence of their words. In other words, words are like seeds, and they will bring forth a harvest. H have you ever been around somebody, and they're just like, hey, hey dude, we're just talking here. We're, we're just talking. We're just two guys talking, you know. Did you know that you are never just talking? That words are always active. That we always are playing with live ammunition, if you will. You're never just talking. There will always be a harvest of either life or death according to your words. Jesus said it like this. Every idle word that you have ever spoken. What is idle? Uh, we're just talking. You know, it's no big deal. I'm just saying some stuff. Every idle word that you have ever spoken, you will have to give an account for when you stand before Christ. I don't know about you, but that scares me pretty good because I have said some idle words. And I want to make sure that I correct that in 2024. Uh, uh, one of the ways that we know that words are so powerful is the power of words that were never spoken. Some of you right now, you can quote words that you wish somebody had said to you. My dad never told me that he loved me. Uh, they never said that they are sorry. And you've got this sadness in the silence of your life because of what was never verbalized over you. Now, the good news is we have a heavenly father who can make up for it. Amen. We have a heavenly father who can speak life in those dark, barren places that were supposed to come to life from somebody else. Now, there's really two kinds of people that are here this morning. There's some of you, you speak way too much. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. And there's some of you, and many of them are men, that you don't speak enough. Like, like, like you are called to bring a harvest of life in your family, but you refuse to say the words. Proverbs 12, 18, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise, it brings healing. Father, grandfather, uncle, did you know you have the power to bring some healing to your family? Amen. You have the power to, like, bring some legacy onto your family. Right now, while I'm preaching to you this morning, my son is preaching at a church in Kansas City. He's a pastor, and I can remember when he was 12, 13 years old, calling out the calling that was on his life. 
speaking the word so that there might be legacy and, and harvest in the future. How I many you know we've got to say the words? Probably the person, though, that is the most affected by your words is you. Your words determine the very course of your life. I, I need to speed it up a little bit here, but James chapter 3, verse 2 says, We all stumble in many ways, and anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Uh, you know what that means in the Greek? It means perfect. That's what it means. <laughs> I haven't looked it up. Uh, able to keep their whole body in check. Now, why would God choose to use the word perfect? I mean, perfection personified. Jesus is saying this, or, or the word is saying this, that when, when you get this right, literally God begins to bring perfection out of your life. It's like, it's like Pastor TJ's abs. I mean, perfect, perfect. I haven't seen his abs. I just imagine. Uh, uh, you want to be perfect? Get this right. Why? Because your words, the next couple of verses, James tells us, are like the directional system of your life. It's like the rudder on a ship. It's like the bit in a horse's mouth. Your words predict your future. They are the steering wheel of your life. How you speak about your future will determine not only your attitude, but it will literally set the altitude of your life. Mm. It will either limit you or it will lift you how you speak. Words are the guidance system of your life. If you don't like where you're going, you got to change uh, the way you're speaking. So how can we be, begin to be warriors in this arena? How can we begin to not have our lunch money stole every day in the realm of words, but instead be warriors for the king? Well, I, I, I think one of the ways the God tests our warrior readiness, if you will, is, again, how we speak. Uh, uh, the, the, probably one of the great examples in Scripture, and I only have time to be in it for a minute, is the story of Job. The Bible tells it's a weird moment, but uh, the Bible tells us that Job, uh, uh, <laughs> he, he, is, he is a man of God. He's one of the most righteous men. In fact, he is the most righteous man on earth. And I don't know why this happened. I'm not sure I want God to trust me as much as he trusted Job. But one day, him and Satan are trash-talking with each other, and he says, have you considered my servant Job? If you know the story, you know that God gave him permission to go out and take all of his possessions. At one point in chapter 2, he's even allowed to harm his physical health. He basically gets to do everything but kill him. One, one chapter, he loses his possessions, he loses his health, he loses his family, his own kids die. And the Bible tells us that he's sitting, scraping boils on his body, and yet in all of this, verse 20 of chapter 1, he fell down on the ground and worshipped. Man, if all that happens to me, I am not putting on some Mab City. But that's what Job did. Job chapter 1, verse 22 says, Not once in all of this did Job sin. Not once did he blame God. Chapter 2, verse 10. In all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. Wow. Now, now, now how could God be so sure? How could God be so sure that if he took everything from Job, that Job would not turn around and curse God. Because this is what most of us do. 
we go through a hard time, and all of a sudden, our reality and our theology don't mix, and so we begin to speak negatively about the very God who blessed us in the first place. You know how God can know what would come out of Job? Because God knew what was inside of Job. Therefore, he knew when the pressure was on what would come out of Job. You know, you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, out of the heart, the mouth what? Speaks. What is inside of you will eventually come out of you. I asked Pastor TJ to get this for me. It's a simple pump sprayer, and, and you know how these work. Uh, you pump it up, and it causes pressure to go on the inside, and then whatever is inside comes out because the pressure is forcing it out. Uh, whatever is inside of you, when the pressure is on, I mean, you know, that's what comes out of you. Uh, it's funny, I've been doing this job of mine for, for 20 years, and 20 years ago, I, I, I remember I would travel and speak, and there's sometimes I would be gone for a month, month and a half, and, and, and I'm just living for Jesus, Pastor TJ, on like a really high level. I mean, it's like, like, like Holy Spirit in me and angels and God is using me. It's just amazing. And, and then I'd go home, and my beautiful wife and my three children were there waiting for me. And, and how many of you know it's craziness at home compared to what I'm dealing with in quiet hotel rooms, right? And so I would go home, and within a few days, all the demands and all the pressure, there'd start to be stuff come out of me that wasn't the same stuff that was coming out of me when I'm off preaching in churches. And one day, I just lost it with my beautiful wife, and I told her, I said, I said, I can live for Jesus great as long as I am not around you guys. That's what I said. I regret saying it, but what was I saying? I was saying, I don't understand why all this is coming out of me, but the Scripture has told us. Don't ever tell me, well, I didn't mean to say it. No, you said it, and it came from somewhere, amen? What, what you should say, if you want to be accurate with Scripture, is I don't know why this is in my heart, but I'm going to take it to God so that he might fix my heart, amen? Because if it came out of you, it was inside of you. I want when the pressure is on for it to be Jesus that comes out of me and not something evil lurking inside of my heart. I don't know about you, but I want to get it right in this area. How many of you believe this could transform our 2024? Amen? So, so I want to share with you very quickly this morning, I promise you I know what time it is, five ways, five simple ways that you can use your words like a warrior. Number one, number one, you have to speak in faith. <laughs> you, you ever get around somebody and they're, they're kind of like this? They're like, they're like, I just like telling it like it is. You, anybody know somebody like that? Don't point. You know, if you do, just point at yourself. Uh, uh, you, you know, you know, I just tell the truth, Pastor Doug. You can't handle the truth. No, you're you're not telling it like it is. You're not telling the truth. You're just mean. <laughs> now, why do I say that? Because when you tell somebody, listen, I'm just going to tell you what you need to hear. I'm just going to tell you the truth. How many of you brace when somebody says that? Because it ain't going to be something nice, I promise you. you. You know what you're essentially saying? You're essentially saying, I have taken a quick 30-second look at your life, and since I am now an expert on your situation, I'm going to tell you how it is. The problem is, you're not God. You don't have an aerial view of my life. You don't know my heart. 
you, you don't know my situation like you might think, and you certainly are not a prophet because the spirit of Jesus is not in that situation. No, no, no. You telling it like it is is really you just saying that some, something to me that's outside of the character that my father has for my life. Amen? So how about this? How about instead of telling it like it is, we start being a people that tell it like it could be? How about instead of just being honest, we start speaking in faith, amen? How about we start speaking like our Father might speak to us? Because why? Because anyone can repeat what they are saying, but it takes people of faith to say what God is saying, amen? I remember the story in Numbers chapter 13. You know the story. God sends 12 spies into the promised land. They all come back, and 10 of them, they're just telling it like it is. They're just parroting what they saw. They're just saying what they have seen. Man, they are giants there. You think Goliath was big? These dudes are big. Man, we're like grasshoppers in their eyes. If you study it out, there were 38 kings that they were going to have to defeat to take the promised land. And they are just, quote, telling it like it is. They're speaking what their eyes have seen. But there's two men that don't tell it like it is. They tell it like it could be. They didn't see with physical eyes. They saw with spiritual eyes. Their names are Joshua and Caleb. If you study this story out, you'll find that God killed off the ten and all of their families. How many are thankful we live in the New Testament? Amen. And he allowed Joshua and Caleb to not only enter into the promised land, but they become rich characters in the story of God and live to ripe old ages. Now, I want to I make sure that I speak in faith. Why? Because today's talking is what opens up tomorrow's territory. If you want to see it, you got to say it. Amen? I'm not talking about that dumb name it, claim it stuff. I'm talking about getting an agreement with what God has said about your life and not allowing speech to come out of your mouth that is fatalistic, but that is filled with faith. Just the other day, we had an issue with one of our cars, and my wife kind of looked at me. She's like, like honey, what are we going to do? And I was like, we're going to fix it. God's got this, man. He's you, you really think after walking in his blessing for the last 30 years that that car issue has got heaven shaken? Amen. Absolutely not. And, I, and one of the things I've done is mentor her in how to speak in faith. God has got it. Amen. God's got your situation and he's got you. Number two, you have to speak life over others. A really great question that we should ask ourselves today is what does it sound like to follow Jesus? If you're a Christ follower, you should have a sound that resonates God's grace and God is for people and God loves people. Probably somebody watching online, let's give it up for the online audience, that are perhaps you're, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if people that don't like church go through snowstorms to get to church, but Maybe you're here this morning, and you might have an issue with church, and, and probably it's because you got around somebody that said they were a believer in Christ, but they didn't sound anything like Christ. And, and I, I, I want to make sure that my speech is filled with grace. Why? You, you know what I've discovered is words are an activator. They're, they're an activator. Right now in my garage, there's grass seed. There's grass seed not spread out but in a bag. And... and uh, 
And if I wanted to, I could go home. It's winter in Virginia as well. And I could go home and I could put water on that grass seed. And even in the bag, even just sitting in the bag, it would begin to sprout. Why? Because it's, it's an activator, right? It activates that seed. Did you know what I have discovered is this, is that when there is something negative inside of me, when I have been hurt, when I have got something evil going on inside of me, what I need to do is I need to hush until I'm healed. Because why? Because hurt people always hurt other people. Amen? How many of you ever been hurt by somebody and get around and do a lot of talking, but it's all really, really good? No, that's not true. Man, when you're hurt, it's going to be bad. Why? So you say, Pastor Doug, I just need to, like, bottle it up. That's not what I'm talking about. You need to process it in the right way with your father, amen? Process it with, with good counselors that know what they're talking about. And, and by the way, Facebook is not a good platform to process it on, amen? And, and, and then you hush until you're healed, until you can spray something out. See, this could be filled with poison right now. I could have acid inside of here, but nothing would harm anyone unless I sprayed it, amen? As long as it was in the container, it would be fine. But the moment I spray it, all the damage would be activated. Uh, it was a few months ago, Jeannie and I were going through something, and I was upset with her about something. And I was just kind of taking it to the Lord, and she kept saying, what's wrong, what's wrong? I was like, baby, it's okay. I'm just tell telling Jesus about it. And then finally she said, what's wrong too many times? And I just let it out, and, it, and then it messed up the next four days. Why? Because it's okay as long as you don't say it or spray it, it's all right. Take it to Jesus. But the moment you start spraying that poison, how many of you believe it's going to have an impact on somebody's life? Now, you are called to minister to others. The Bible says in Romans 12, 14, that we are to bless and not to curse. Now, it's not talking about cussing, although you don't, you don't want to do that either. But what he's saying is that your words have the power to bring a blessing on somebody's life or to bring a curse on somebody's life. I, uh, I pastored a church for seven years. It was a great church in the Kansas City area, and anybody that knows me knows that I'm more built for what I'm doing today. That was the anomaly. Uh, but, uh, but during that seven years, we saw great growth. God did great things. But, but uh, I remember I'd been there about six months, Pastor CJ, and that church had three campuses. And, and uh, basically, before I got there, the, other, the two other campus pastors, they were wanting to break away from the main church. And I was, I was over all three of them. And, uh, and, and, and it, it was one of them had already hired an attorney. There was kind of bitter spirits, you know, involved. And I, I was not a part of that story. We got through it within a year. But about six months in, we had a big board meeting. And we were bringing in one of the pastor couples from one of these other campuses that wanted their, quote, own church. And uh, I told the board, I said, you know what? I wasn't here when all this happened. I, I didn't write this story. I need to learn. I'm just going to listen. You guys run the board meeting. I'm just going to listen. I only speak if I'm needed. And so they did a great job for about an hour. And about an hour in, the, the wife of this pastor couple that was sitting in front of us, she stood up, and she had some figure in her head, I think it was $75,000 or something, that our church, quote, owned, owed their church, which wasn't true. And uh, she began to say, if you don't pay us, God is going to, and she used the word curse. And she began to speak a curse over our church. When she used the word curse, I had not spoke for an hour. 
I stood up. I began clapping my hands real loud. I pointed at her, and in a loud voice, I said, you shut up and sit down right now. The whole room freaked out. They're like, what is going on right now? You know, <laughs> it's like <laughs> I, I only go to board meetings in case they go wrong because then it gets fun, right? Right? It's like, it's like a hockey match. It's not cool until somebody gets in a fight, right? And, and so, so, so anyway, they're like, what is going on right now? And, 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 uh, and, and, and I said, and, and, I, and I began to speak blessing over her curse. I began to say, that's not what God's going to do. He's going to bless us. He's going to bless you. And I kicked the two of them out of the board meeting. And I said to the board, I said, they just got involved in spiritual things. And I said, I won't allow that to happen. And I said, never allow someone to speak a curse over you. And then I walked out. I got in the face of that couple, and I said, don't ever do that again, or I'll fire you on the spot. But I said, if you will let me handle this, it'll be great. I gave them a raise that night. Within six months, they had their own church. Everything was beautiful. But it is important that we realize that our words have the power of life. Or they have the power of death. You, you know the one that you curse the most? You know the one you curse the most? It's you. Many of you, you have joined the choir of your own demise, and you stand on the front row of your lives, and you sing songs against yourself. Many of you, you speak against you. you, you know, and, and, and you've got to get past that. Because you cannot live a life of blessing while you are constantly cursing yourself. Amen? Uh, uh, it's funny. My wife and I, we are dramatically different personalities. Uh, she is, perhaps, I think there's been national studies done on this, and she is the happiest person on earth. I mean, it, it is amazing. She, she wakes up every morning, and it's just joy unspeakable, you know? I am more melancholy, I'm more of a processor. Uh, my grandfather uh, struggled with depression. My great-grandfather committed suicide. My, my father was treated for clinical depression, and I struggle with depression. So it's funny, we sleep in this big king-sized bed, and uh, when we wake up in the morning over on her side of the bed, it's like angels and worship music and Heaven is coming down and glory of God is happening. I don't even know what's going on on her side. It's the Azusa Street Revival all over again. I mean, it's amazing what, what, what is happening on her side of the bed. On my side of the bed, it's weeping, gnashing of teeth. Uh, the, the devil is involved in trying to kill me and, and stuff like that. I wake up every morning, and I know I'm being joking about it, but I wake up every morning with kind of a darkness in my mind. And what I have discovered is the power of speaking God's word out loud. Every morning before I even get out of bed, I start quoting scripture. And, and what, what, what happens is within just a moment, the darkness is lifted and the joy of the Lord comes. Amen. Listen, God's word is the password, amen, to your life. It's like the password that opens your phone. This is just a paperweight until you put the password in. And when the password's in, how many of you know the whole world can be seen on this phone? When the password's in, all of God's goodness can begin to happen in your life. I, I think the problem it comes when, when it comes to speaking in life over other people is that we are more dialed into what we need to say than what they need to hear. Yeah, you ever have somebody just say to you, listen, I, I just need to say something to you. You just brace yourself, right, because it's never going to be good. I, my, my daughter, Jenna, uh, she is a 
pastor at a church, uh, a worship pastor at a church in Pensacola, Florida. And um, she's young. She's about 21. And she's struggling with all the things that 21-year-olds struggle with. And uh, the other day she called me. She was having some financial issues. And I, I, I just said, Jenna, there's some things I need to say to you. And that was the problem. I was saying what I needed to say, not what she needed to hear. How many parents out there know I had probably already said the things I needed to say? Amen? So about halfway through the conversation, I could feel there was no life in the conversation. I said, hey, hey, sweetie, hey, baby, how, how about we just do this? How about I stop saying what I need to say, and let me just tell you, and I began to tell her how proud I was. And I began to talk to her about how most 21-year-olds would already have debt, and she doesn't, and how most 21-year-olds would already have credit cards going, and she doesn't, and that, yes, she was struggling, but I was so proud of her for obeying God, and it wasn't long until there was this blessing and life in that situation. Here's, here's what the Bible says, Ephesians 4.29. says, don't let unwholesome, that's, that's, that's foul, worthless talk, come out of your words, ever come out of your mouth, but only speech that is good for building others up according to the need. In the, in the NIV, it says according to their need, and on every occasion so that we a blessing to those who hear. How many of you want to speak according to the needs of others? Amen? Number three, number three, you got to control your speech as you would a deadly weapon. Sitting in this room today are some people who control their tongue in a way that hurts other people. Uh, James chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 says that it only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless, a wrongly placed word out of the mouth can, can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony into chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke, and go up in smoke with it, smoke right from the pit of hell. Can you imagine a person in this room today with a gun just kind of randomly shooting around the room? I mean, we would take them out in a second, right, because you don't let people do that. And that's kind of how many of us control our speech. You know, one of the ways I think we do this is in the area of sarcasm. I, I have been at, a, at war with sarcasm for the last couple of years. What, what, do, you, what do you mean sarcasm? Well, first off, I, I speak for a living. I preach about 200 times a year. And I promise you I could hang with anybody in this room when it comes to sarcasm. But what I have discovered is it takes less energy to build somebody up than it does to cut somebody down. There, there's a verse that I found the other day that I thought was so powerful. It's Proverbs 26, 18 and 19. It says, just as damaging as a madman shooting a deadly weapon is someone who lies to a friend and then says, I was only joking. Wow. If there's ever been a verse against sarcasm, there it is. I, 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 what would happen if this church just decided from this point on, even on a snow Sunday, just us, that we are going to be the church that speaks life over people? Amen? I can promise you there would be a harvest that you would not even begin to be able to calculate. Number four, you have to use your words to monitor the condition of your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the Bible says, the mouth speaks. So words reveal uh, what's really inside of us. Matthew 12, 34, whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Words are a thermometer of the spiritual condition. Once again, whatever is inside of you is going to come out of you. So we have to monitor the condition of our heart. And then finally, number five, we have to repeat 
what the Spirit reveals. I think when we mention the power of words, we're really not being biblically honest if we don't get into an area that's a little bit controversial, an area that I call, well, that the Bible calls prophecy. I think when you mention the word prophecy, uh, we can get nervous because probably if you've been around church for very long, somebody has approached you with what they said was a word that either one didn't line up with the word, two didn't make any sense at all, or three was just plain mean. And, and you say, well, Pastor Doug, you know, we can't just let people be talking for God and on behalf of God and stuff like that. Do you know what I'm doing right now as I preach? I am prophesying. That's, I, I, what I, prophecy is simply this. It is, a, it is elaborating, if you will, making the word of God personal to your life, right? How many of you already say, has this dude been following me around? You know, does he have like private detectives? And by the way, we do have private detectives and cameras and stuff like that. No, I'm just kidding. The Holy Spirit tells us what to say. And then when it's personal to your life, that is a prophetic word for you. Now, just because prophecy may have been abused doesn't mean that it's not alive and well for the church today. If you and I meet together, Pastor TJ and I will have lunch together. Free food's a part of my package deal uh, for this weekend. And uh, uh, I, I, I just say I love you and, and your, your person of wisdom, but I don't want what's coming out of the top of your mind. I want what's coming out of the bottom of your spirit. Amen. Because why? Because you've had enough of man's wisdom. How many of you want to hear something that is from God? Amen. Revelation 19.10, I love this verse. It won't be on the screen, but it says, The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In the New Living, it says, The essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness of Jesus. So how do you know that something is real, that something is prophetic? When it lifts up Jesus, amen? When it gives a clear witness of Jesus. Let me, let me just say one other thing, and I'm going to have you stand. Uh I, I, the other day, when I, when I was writing this message, I wrote this back in November. When I was writing this message, uh, I got to this point, and I knew the Lord wanted me to talk about prophecy uh, for just a moment. And, uh, and I started to write this line that I've always believed. I've started to write the line that prophecy is for confirmation. It is not for revelation. So in other words, you'll hear pastors say this a lot. They'll say, they'll say, if you give me a prophecy, it will line up with something that God is already saying. It won't be something new. Now, I've always believed that. I've always believed that. But when I was about to type that line, I kept, I kept feeling the Holy Spirit just say, you know, when I'm, when I'm writing these messages, I'm really listening to the Holy Spirit. And, and I kept, the Holy Spirit just kept correcting me. Nope, nope, nope. I kept trying to type it. And it was like, nope, nope, nope. And so finally I was like, okay, God, let me pray about this. I've always believed this. And the Holy Spirit began to speak to me, and he said, son, he said, you're right, but you're only half right. He said, how prideful are you that you believe that the only way someone could be speak for me is after I've already spoken to you? He said, no, prophecy is both for confirmation and for revelation. There are, there's times when I'm going to bring some, somebody to you, and they're going to say something that you've never heard, and it's going to be from me. And there's times when I'm going to bring somebody to you, and it's going to confirm something that I'm already speaking. Now, if it's new, how many believe God will confirm it on the backside? Amen? Amen? But prophecy is for both. It is for confirmation 
and for revelation. So here's my prayer for Cornerstone Church. I believe that the spirit of prophecy could be released in this house and that God could do it in an orderly, beautiful way, but we could begin to speak to one another the word of God in a way that is filled with life, that's filled with healing, that opens up new worlds. Amen. How many believe that? And guess what? It's not just those of you that are super mature that get to do it. Here's what the the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, says, In the last days, it is the youth, it's the young ones, who will prophesy. Now, now listen, I was a youth pastor for 12 years. I love students. We have tons of them on our mission trips. Uh, but I, when, I, when I first read Acts 1-8 in that light of prophecy, I was kind of like, well, God, why, why did you say the young will prophesy? Because like if somebody's prophesying to me, I'd rather them be old and wise, you know, kind of look a little bit like that, that guy off of the, uh, who is a Gandalf or something like that, you know what I'm saying? You know, to where I really know it's from you, you, you know, kind of thing. And the Lord said, I choose the young because I'm not looking for man's wisdom. I'm looking for somebody that's just open enough to say what I would say. I've heard enough of man's wisdom. I need to hear from God. How about you? Come on, I want you to stand to your feet all throughout the house today. How many are glad you came to church this morning? Now listen, I, I'll give you a little bit of a secret. When I write messages, I usually write for about an hour, and then I only speak about 35, 40 minutes. So it comes out of me different each time. Pastor TJ back in the office, he kept saying, like, give him the whole package. Give him the whole thing and stuff. So, so I gave you the whole thing <laughs> this morning. You got the A package for driving through the snow to come to church. Here's some news, though. Uh, the Baptists are probably already at the restaurants. We are messed up. It's almost 12 o'clock, you know, so we're already behind. So how many of you think we could take a few minutes and let the Lord, you know, push this word deep down in our spirit? do encourage you to stop by my table if you hadn't had a chance to get my book. It's called Divine Intentions, The Life You're Supposed to Live, The Person God Meant You to Be. It takes takes people through what I call the four stages of restoration that every Christian should go through. Uh, If you're struggling with self-worth issues, you still need areas of restoration in your life. Uh, This was my answer. I worked a thousand hours on this. And this was my answer. I'm not kidding. Like I worked a thousand hours on this book. And it, it was my answer to people uh, coming to my table with brokenness that I can't counsel in five minutes. So if I had 100 hours to spend with you, this is what I would tell you. In fact, this would be better than 100 hours with me because I spent time sweating over this. So I would love to get this in your life. And seriously, if you can't afford one, just wink at me or something and I will give you one. Uh, Isaiah chapter 6, you know this story. The Bible tells us that Isaiah, in the year that King Uzziah died, he was very close to the king. He goes into the temple. He has this moment in God's presence. God's presence is so real that it shows up in a physical way. We we call that in Scripture the Shekinah glory of God. And the Bible tells us that Isaiah gets convicted. How many ever get convicted when God's presence shows up? And and here's what Isaiah prays. It's very strange. I'll I'll read it from a couple of different versions. Uh, He says, woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips. In the Message Bible, it says, every word I have ever spoken is tainted. And I live among a people of unclean lips. But my eyes have seen the glory, the King, the Lord Almighty. Now, what is Isaiah saying? I think he's describing our culture today, really. I mean, if you think about it, we are a people of unclean lips. 
And by the way, what you type counts. What you type with those stupid little thumbs, it counts, right? We are a people of unclean lips, and we live among a people of unclean lips. How are we hurting one another as a nation right now? Our words. Our words. Seriously. I can't type Jesus loves me on my Facebook account without somebody sending me something nasty. Like, what do you mean by that? <laughs> you know? I mean, he loves me. <laughs> you know? And it, it's crazy how evil we are with our words. So Isaiah prays about this. The Bible says in verse 6 and 7 that an angel flies over, gets a coal, touches the lips of his mouth. A coal representing the purity of God touches the lips, uh, touches his lips, and, and, and his sin is atoned for. He is saved. It, it is really a prof, it's an Old Testament prophecy looking forward to how we get saved in the New Testament by confessing with our mouth. Amen. The very next verse, very next verse. Who will go for me? Who shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. What, what, is, what is God saying to you today? If you will give him your mouth, he will give you a ministry. If you will give him your words, he will give you a life you can only begin to imagine. He will use you to reach the nations. But as long as you say, this is my territory, I believe that's why the baptism of the Holy Spirit includes speaking in tongues, because God wants to get control of our mouths. Amen? He wants to get control of our mouths, and he wants to do that for you today. How many of you just say, heads up, eyes open, right? I don't think we need to bow our eyes on this one. How many of you just say, Pastor Doug, I got some major improvement I got to do in this area. Come on. I, I need God to make me right in the area of my words. Come on. Come on. Let's just begin to pray this. Let's pray it out loud. Come on. Pray, pray this together. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I give you my heart. Fresh and new. I pray that you would redeem me. That you would make me clean. God, help me to speak in a way that glorifies you. I pray for healing of all the verbal damage that has been done in my life by others, by myself, the generational stuff. Heal it in Jesus' name. Teach me to speak in a way that opens up new worlds that lines up with your words. Make me a prophet for your kingdom. We ask it in Jesus' name. Now, Father, we do pray over this church. Come on, lift your hands and receive it. And I ask that the spirit of prophecy would just be released in this house and that you would use your people to do great and mighty things for you. God, I pray that you would anoint your people for works of service. And God, as we get this area right, that we would speak life to each other in Jesus' name. God, we banish sarcasm. We banish casual talk in the name of Jesus. And we ask that this church would be known for a place that plants seeds of life with their words. Activate, God, those seeds by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's enter into worship.